also for the Bryce. Yes. Um, you know, the it's, it's nicer outside. It's getting warmer. The days yeah. are getting longer, especially mm-hmm. here in central Indiana, because we're kind of on the, I guess, the far western side of the eastern time zone. Right. I don't really know if that has anything to do with it, but the day is getting very long. <laughs> it's light outside, you know, well into like close to 930 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but this makes it helpful to get up earlier and to kind of start some new disciplines or rekindle old disciplines. Yeah. And so uh, my sons are home from school and one of them was uh, talking about joining the gym. And so we have all three of us now actually have joined the gym and get up at 530 uh, in the morning and they come with me three times a week and I'm trying to go every, every morning that I don't have liturgy basically. Nice. Um, to go and to work out in the gym. And so that's been really nice. It's been really fun. Uh, and I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and it feels good. Um, yes, definitely. you know, and they say that, you know, at a certain age you start to lose muscle mass and that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. You gotta, you gotta do something to keep it up. You don't really lose mass, but you do lose muscle mass at least some of us don't lose overall mass some of us unfortunately (laughs) gain overall mass but um uh yeah and i was i mean i was doing like the the uh what do you call it um leg press the sled Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and like i didn't have a what would have been very lightweight for me at not that long ago and i was like oh wow this is actually kind of hard so Uh it just goes to show you know that lose use it or lose it as they say absolutely you know? That is definitely true. So, and of course, when you get up at five thirty in the morning, you know you got to have a little coffee to start your day. You drink definitely it on the, do. Drink it on the way to the gym. That's yes. part of my. Um, you know, I would like to say that I wake up by the cardio warm up, but you know, to be honest, I wake up with a little chemical on the way to yeah. the gym, which is there my you coffee. Go. So there you go. Well, and you know, as you're driving to the gym, you got your coffee. You could be listening to the church coffee pod where theology is never watered down and the conversation keeps flowing. I'm Father Bryce. I'm Father Gregory. It's great to be back with you again. Yeah, it feels like a long time. It does. It really does. I think because probably during Lent, we're so busy Yeah. with so many things going on, which is kind of ironic in its own way. Yeah. And, um, and so it has made it seem like a long time. So I always enjoy doing this with you. Me too. Me too. Very much so. So this week, this month, uh, we're talking about, appropriately, since we're going to celebrate Pentecost in just a few days here, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Yes, Pentecost is coming, the Holy Spirit. I love the Kneeling Vespers. Yes. Uh, and I love service. the feast days of Pentecost. And I have to say, besides the church that I converted in, because the mm. church where I became Orthodox was called St. Andrew Greek Orthodox Church there in Lubbock, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, all the churches I've served have been a Holy Trinity. Uh, <laughs> Holy Trinity in Dallas, Holy Trinity in Nashville, Holy Trinity in Carmel, Indiana. And you're just so a, you're just a Pentecostal guy. So, and I was ordained a deacon on Pentecost. Oh my oh. goodness. So it was a long, it was a longish uh, service. Yeah. Uh, yes, so, it would. Oh my goodness. That yeah. is a long service. And speaking of, the anniversary of my ordination is coming up, so that's I'll just be in a little bit. But anyways, so, um, you know, we don't say a particular prayer 
from Pascha till Pentecost, and then we say yes. it a lot at Pentecost. We sing it, we say it, uh, yeah. which is one of the main prayers in the church for the Holy Spirit is a prayer to the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. uh, God the Holy Spirit, and it starts off a lot of our services, and yeah. that is the Heavenly King prayer. Right. So, which basically goes, Heavenly King, Comforter, Spirit of Truth, everywhere present, filling all things, treasury of blessings, bestower of life, come and abide in us, cleanse us from every stain, and save our souls, O good one. So, yeah, if I, I go, go ahead. I was just going to say, and for, for those of you who are, you know, didn't, maybe not everybody knew that that is a prayer, specifically seen as a prayer to the Holy Spirit, um, but besides the the spirit of truth part, right. the the actual giveaway is the the second description, which is comforter, mm-hmm. paraklite in the vocative there, mm-hmm. uh, which is the same word that is used by Jesus Christ Himself to describe the Holy Spirit. I will send you a paraklitos, right. uh, a comforter. Yeah, you know, from the word, you know, to come beside someone. Um, also right. the, sa- the same word we get paraclesis for the right. service from. Yep. Right. Comforter. What's the other word for that? Another English word that sometimes is translated as counselor. I, counselor. I like to use intercessor mm. uh, or advocate. Advocate. Well, you know, what's interesting is in Spanish, I think someone once told me counselor in the sense of like an attorney. Right. Uh, right. it's very, it's, it's kind of comes out that way strongly in, in Spanish when it gets hmm. translated, which is kind of interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so there's the two comforter spirit of truth. Uh, although in the gospel, let me ask, did Jesus say, I will send you another comforter or just a comforter? I can't remember Ooh, now. That's a great question. We may have to look that up, um, because it could be that they're both, paraclita, but I, you know, I could be wrong on that. So we'll look that up. Um, but you know, let's kind of just go through that line by line quickly. Um, obviously in the Orthodox church, we believe that God is God and three persons or three hypostases, the father, son, and Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, we believe that, you know, the father is often, I guess the archi, you know, kind of the first principle, if you will, in the Trinity. Um, the son is eternally begotten of the father. Uh, and the spirit eternally proceeds from the father. Mm-hmm. Obviously there's a controversy with the filioque that gets added to the creed in the West later in history. Filioque right. is Latin for, and the son, right? Because in that, with that addition to the creed, the Nicene Constantinopolitan creed in the West, they say it, or in the, I shouldn't just say in the West because we're in the West, but you know, we don't <sighs> say this, we're Orthodox. But they say, and the, and the spirit who proceeds from the father and the son. So that's right. that filioque and the son. Right. Um, and there's, you know, St. Maximus and others, you know, try to work through this. Part of the issue was linguistically Greek had a lot more descriptors mm. for things than Latin was a little bit more of a straight jacket language. They didn't have as many terms to work from. Some of the early Latin fathers do try to make a distinguishing way when they talk about it, saying he proceeds principally from the father. Uh-huh. Um, but they're trying to capture, obviously, you know, Greek words that were used by the church fathers, like St. Gregory the Theologian and others for the Holy Spirit, how he comes from the son or the son sends him. Right. Or like proine or eklampi, or he shines forth or, mm-hmm. you know, he comes from in that kind of way. Um, but not proceeds. They've always kind of reserved the word proceeds from that 
for that kind of idea of his eternal procession, right? Which is an aspect of his person. So, right, right. I guess I can say that aspect of his person. I don't know. Uh, Uh, yeah. I mean, it's the how how he has his how the spirit's source is in the father is by procession, versus mm -hmm. how the son's source is in the father is by begottenness, which is all, of course way 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 beyond any right. kind of human comprehension words. but these... we we primarily use that to distinguish the persons right these are the words that we have in scripture and so these right. are the words that we use because of the words that have been given to us right that have been revealed to us that we hear in the gospels uh principally in other places in the scriptures as well yeah so so heavenly king you know he's he's god He's right. one of the Holy Trinity. Uh, right. Comforter, we already talked about that a little bit. The paraclete, mm-hmm. the counselor, the one who comes beside. He will guide you into all truth. He will give you the words to say during times of trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many beautiful things Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit, especially like in the 14th chapter of John, the yes. Gospel of John. And I, I actually did look that up. It, he does say, I will send you another comforter in the okay. 14th chapter. I remember that correctly so then. he he himself is a uh, comforter a, a comforter and and one of the translations i saw because i looked it up on bible hub which has all the translations next to each other did actually say advocate good there you go so yeah everywhere present you know there's no place where yes. god is not yes that doesn't mean that god is all things in the sense of pantheism no but in all things which is the next line Right. So, yeah, everywhere present, filling all things. So if if there was some place where God was not, there would not be existence there. Right. That's the way to kind of think of that. Right. The ground of being kind of. Mm-hmm. And David says as much in the Psalms, right? Even if I go down to Sheol, the underworld, even there, you are you are with me. Yeah. Yeah. There's no place where God isn't. God is everywhere. There's And God is not contained Mm-hmm. You know, I think the fancy word in English is uncircumscribable. You can't draw a circle around him, in other words. Right. Um, so he's the uncontainable one mm-hmm. who, you know, poetically we say, who was contained in the womb. Right. Uh, meaning Jesus, meaning the Logos. So, mm-hmm. uh, Which is the, the icon at Holy Trinity has, instead of platitera tonura non, is hora tua horitu, the boundary of the boundless. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. the container of the uncontainable. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's it's amazing. Uh, everywhere present, filling all things, treasury of blessings. Mm-hmm. You know, through the grace of the Holy Spirit, we receive all kinds of spiritual blessings. St. Paul talks about spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, offices, I guess, in the way, in Ephesians, you know, apostles, prophets, you know, so on and so forth, teachers. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it is through the blessings of the sacraments that we primarily receive the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the blessings of the church that we receive, you know, blessings in prayer. St. Sarah from Asaroff has that famous te- teaching, acquire the Holy Spirit. We've talked about that before mm-hmm. uh, in previous podcasts. So bestower okay. of life, the giver of life. Yeah. You know, so God is the giver of life. He is the source of life. Right. All all life comes from him. Um, I can't remember which church father said it, but there's this kind of beautiful expression that creation is the overflow of God's love. 
Mm. Yeah, I like that. No. And then, so we're kind of talking about all the things that the Holy Spirit is. We're saying, you are all of these things. You are the heavenly king. You are the comforter. You are the spirit of truth. You are everywhere present and you fill all things and you are the treasury of blessings and the bestower of life, mm-hmm. which, you know, we've barely talked about, but those are all amazing things that just meditate on and think about. Absolutely. This is such a good prayer. Yeah. And then we go to the petitionary part, right? Come and abide in us, you know, which in the gospel, Jesus tells us basically to ask for the spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, and I kind of, you know, I know it's liturgically liturgical, you know, we're singing during the 40 days, we're singing the Christos Anesti and I get all that, but I miss saying this prayer (laughs) during that time period, you know, and I, I love it when we start to pray it again with Mm -hmm. Pentecost, come and abide in us, Mm -hmm. cleanse us from every stain, right? Because where God is, he's a purifying fire and he burns away sin. Mm -hmm. You know, he burns away the fallen passions. You know, so we're asking for that fire to come into us, right? Mm-hmm. I like that. What is the, one of the desert fathers? He said, if you want, you can become all aflame. Like the yeah. one, the one monk saw him praying and standing and his, his fingers were like little candles mm-hmm. uh, that were lit on fire because he was so filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Cleanse us from every stain and save our souls. Oh, good one. You know salvation is is life in god life in the holy trinity anything else you want to say about that prayer i don't think so i like you i'm i'm really excited that we're we're saying it again it's it's a it's an excellent prayer we're saying and, it we're singing it in multiple times yeah and it's it's for a very it's for good reason that it is kind of the the opening prayer for pretty much all you know morning prayers evening prayers orthros mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of the beginning prayer for liturgy. We do it quietly in the altar, but it's there, uh, kind of at the very end of Orthros beginning of liturgy. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a good one. So kind of moving on kind of, you know, to riff off of now, like the Orthodox, uh, way by, uh, Mm -hmm. his excellency, Metropolitan Kalistos Ware, um, who's, you know, passed away. Memory eternal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he talks about, he references from St. Irenaeus, uh, and St. Irenaeus is taking this from the Psalms really, and uh-huh. from Genesis, um, the idea of, you know, the, the son and the spirit, the logos and the spirit as the two hands of the Holy Trinity in creation. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's saying this, you know, there's a reference in the Psalms where it says, um, by your word, they were created and by your spirit, they came into being. Uh, Mm -hmm. that's a, that's a rough paraphrase. Uh, and of course, God, when he's making man says, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Right. So the church fathers have always understood that to be a reference to God as the Trinity. Yeah. Um, and so we see the Trinity involved in several of the feast days of the church kind of being manifest, so to speak. Definitely. Uh, the first annunciation, you know, Mm -hmm. the message of the father, the spirit you know, the overshadows uh, the virgin and in mm-hmm. her womb comes to be the son. Yep. Uh, and so there you see the Trinity and that overshadowing, right? Going back to creation, the spirit hovering over the waters, mm-hmm. you know? And so we see how the spirit is involved in creation that way. 
so that, you know, we see that enunciation, theophany. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's... It's, of course. It, yeah, the theophany hymn's like really explicit about it. You know, when you, O Lord, were baptized in the Jordan, the worship of the Holy Trinity was made manifest for the spirit in the form of a dove, confirmed the certainty of the word, the voice of the Father from heaven calling you his beloved son, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. May not have said that in the exact order, but uh, there it Close is. Close enough. Yeah, there it is. Uh, transfiguration. So again, yeah. you know, we have the voice of the Father, which mm-hmm. is a little different than the one in Theophany. I, I kind of enjoy that in, Theoph- in Theophany and in, in Epiphany. Yeah. The Father, the voice of the Father, this is my beloved Son. Right. In whom I am well pleased. Mm-hmm. At, at Transfiguration is, you know, this is my Son. Listen to him. Right. You know, almost kind of like, be quiet, Peter. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, and... Um, and the cloud, the spirit is like a cloud. Well, then that, that kind of harkens back to the Exodus. Yeah. Because the spirit was like a pillar of fire during the night and a cloud during the day, mm-hmm. right? And we'd also say it is by the spirit at uh, the transfiguration that the eyes of the disciples are opened to behold Christ as he truly is. Nice. Because even though, of course, we call the feast transfiguration, Right, but but it's it's kind of a a misnomer because Christ does not change at transfiguration. The disciples' perception of Christ changes at right. transfiguration. They actually see him as he is. Yeah, their eyes are more fully opened, and they see you know they see kind of the kingdom of heaven for a second. Right, right. Moses and Elisha. Yeah, the living and the dead, the law and the prophets. Right, and Mo- Moses and Elisha represent the living and the dead because, of course, Moses died. But uh-huh. Eli- or Elijah, I'm sorry, Elijah was taken up to heaven in a fiery chariot. So he, at, having never died, he is kind of seen in that triptych of Christ, Moses, and Elijah as Elijah is the representation of the living. And then they, again, they represent the law and the prophets because Moses obviously with the law and mm-hmm. Elijah with the prophets. Yeah. Um, and in Luke's gospel, it's, it's, they talk about his exodus. So right. again, even intentionally making a reference back to the Exodus. And of course, the Exodus they're referring to there is his death on the cross. Right. Um, because, and, and transfiguration happened 40 days before um, the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, we celebrated in August, August 6th, and you know, 40 days before we celebrate the exaltation of the Holy Cross, September 14th. Right. Because the church didn't want to have the celebration of transfiguration right at the beginning of Lent. Yeah. Uh, especially since our Lent kind of, it's not really, it kind of is a little more than 40 days. So yeah. Yeah. In some ways. Yeah. We so, would already be fasting if we did it 40 days before, before Holy Friday. Which we are when transfiguration comes anyway. That's because true. Because we're in the Dormition fast, but it's lightened up a little bit. We're, yeah. Not, not the Lenten fast. Yeah. We're allowed to have the, the, the fish and the the oil and the wine on transfiguration. Yeah. Um, the cross, you know, I kind of put this one here. I don't remember if his, if his eminence had that in his book, but he might have just in the sense of, it says he bowed his head and sent forth the spirit, Hmm. uh, or sent forth his spirit. And so there's kind of this, this kind of analogy of you have, you know, the, you know, the three that bear witness as John says in his epistle, Mm. Um, and so mm-hmm. you have the blood, the water, and the spirit. Um, yeah. There you have the body of Christ. You have the body and blood of Christ. You have the cross. 
you have the water and you have the spirit, which is also kind of the three main sacraments of entry into the church, baptism, chrismation, uh, and the Eucharist, all yeah. kind of being captured there. But then you have him, you know, most people, the spirit leaves, so to speak, and then our head would drop, right? Yeah. But in John's gospel, it intentionally has it in the other order. He bows his head and sends forth his spirit. Mm. So he's even, he's in control even of the moment of his death, in a mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, John is kind of, none of these things happen without his, without his will being involved. Mm-hmm. Um, Pentecost, obviously, I right. mean, the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles and disciples in the upper room, the 120, yes. uh, some call it the birthday of the church. Uh, yeah. you know, cause Jesus said, wait, you know, yeah. until you receive, uh, uh, you know, the power from on high with the Holy spirit. And of course that happens on the feast day of Pentecost, which is, and was a Jewish feast. Right. You know, right. It's, it's the, it's, it is 50 days after Passover, which, which signifies receiving the law of Moses, the 10 commandments, mm-hmm. uh, cause there was 50 days and they're at Sinai mm-hmm. uh, and they're receiving the law. And so we receive the spirit, you know, uh, so there's, there's, there, there, that kind of the parallel there. Yeah. Um, but all the Jewish people, all the pious people were in Jerusalem for the feast. Right. Uh, and they all hear the good news, the works of God being proclaimed in their own language. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the Holy spirit comes upon the apostles as tongues of fire. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, which is what speaking in tongues means. They right. were able to proclaim the truth of the gospel in languages they didn't know. Right. You know, um, and to share the good news, it's it's kind of a reversal of the Tower of Babel. Yeah. You know, where the Tower of Babel, they tried to, you know, storm heaven on their own terms, kind of like a organized rehashing of the fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and God says, oh, what are we going to do about this? Now let's go down and confuse all their languages. They won't be able to understand each other. And so Mm -hmm. it's kind of the scattering, you know, of the people. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then they're all being brought together by the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a deeper level to that too. I heard a sermon recently that I really appreciated that was talking about this, about not only hearing the, the good news of God in their own language, but that the Spirit enables people to speak to the deepest part of other people so that universal human language Mm -hmm. you know the 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 deepest aspects of our souls the spirit is able to speak to that enables people to be able to speak to that to other people Mm -hmm. not just to speak to for comprehension to to you know kind of touch somebody's mind but to touch somebody's heart yes to touch their heart to touch the depths of their being yeah uh, with the words that the spirit gives them yeah and then the eucharist you know yeah. Uh, every divine liturgy at the Epiclesis, we pray and we ask for the spirit to come down Yeah, and to make the bread and wine, the precious body and blood of Christ mm-hmm. so that we may receive them. Um, so he has this neat little, you know, where he's saying, Kalistos, where he says the spirit brings the incarnation, right? So the spirit hovers over the Theotokos, the Virgin mm-hmm. Mary, mm-hmm. she conceives in her womb, Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
And so then, you know, our Lord Jesus Christ, he talks about this before his crucifixion and resurrection, that he's going to send the Spirit. So mm -hmm. the Spirit brings the incarnate Christ in a sense. Mm -hmm. And then Christ sends the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And then the Spirit makes Christ incarnate in the church, in the Eucharist. Mm. So there's kind of this, this reciprocity, mm -hmm. this kind of perichoresis the circle dance of the Holy Trinity. Yeah. Uh, and again, you go back to the icon of the Holy Trinity. Yes. Uh, and of course, Pentecost, we should say, I don't know if we said this earlier, is the feast day officially of churches called the Holy Trinity. Right. And so uh, the icon has the side of the table open to the person praying in front of it, to the, to the worshiper standing in front of God. Yeah, uh, inviting him to table, inviting him to participate in the life and love of the Holy Trinity. Mm -hmm. So I, I love that kind of like the Spirit brings the Son, the Son sends the Spirit, the Spirit brings the Son, and mm -hmm. so on it's, and so forth. Yeah, that's great. That, like you said, the the dance. Uh huh. And then in the Christian life, we become temples of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, as yeah, you alluded earlier to Saint Seraphim of Sarov saying, you know, acquire, acquire the Holy Spirit and a thousand around you will be saved, which is just to say, live the Christian life. Well, he says that, yeah, acquire the spirit of peace. And then he says, the goal of the Christian life is to acquire, right, the Holy Spirit. Um, but even I just in our baptism. Yes. Yeah, I, I think that's probably worth talking about, right? I mean, there's, there, there are references um, throughout our liturgical life of of kind of the holy spirit being bestowed upon us uh baptism of course chrismation with the seal of the gift of the holy spirit um and then you even have joel the prophet in the old testament saying that the holy spirit or god's spirit will be poured out on all flesh right mm -hmm. on on all humans on every person and and we believe you know that pentecost is the fulfillment of that prophecy that in some way the holy spirit has been poured out on on all of humanity um and yet of course we aren't that doesn't mean we're all completely in tune uh with the holy spirit or or have you know acquired in the way that saint seraphim means so there's there are kind of different levels uh mm -hmm. Of, of what it means to live a life in the reality of the Holy Spirit having been poured out on all of humanity. Yeah, I like to think of it this way, and I don't know if this is 100%, you know, it's it's an analogy, right? Uh, sure. It's, but when we're baptized, then we have the potential, mm -hmm. you know, to grow in the Spirit more fully. Um, mm -hmm. It's the, you know... Um, and so that, that gives us that, that capability, you know, that gift... But mm -hmm. then, but then we have to continue to grow in the spirit and to acquire the spirit in our lives. Um, and we do that by living in the spirit. Um, and Paul, Paul, the apostle, he talks about that all over the place, uh, life in the spirit. Um, I remember going to a funeral. It was a funeral of a Protestant evangelist and the eulogy was being offered by a Catholic priest, um, <laughs> at this particular funeral. And what I really appreciated about it, uh, this was before my days of becoming Orthodox, hmm. uh, and I was I was at the Methodist Church where this funeral was taking place. Um, 
the evangelist happened to be the father of one of the parishioners there. He died in a, a tragic camping accident. He was hit mm-hmm. by lightning. Um, mm-hmm. So the um, the priest just read Romans chapter 8, like the whole thing. Uh, and I remember being kind of moved by that because he was just talking about life in the spirit. What is life mm-hmm. in the spirit? And um, and so, you know, the, Galatians has like a shorter version of the same passage in five, chapter five, who talks about the fruit of the spirit mm-hmm. and life in the spirit. We're called to walk by the spirit, uh, mm-hmm. we're called, you know, so that is the Christian life and walking in the spirit. Um, and what does that look like versus walking in the flesh, right? Mm-hmm. Walk. Mm-hmm. So walking according to the spirit of God, as opposed to walking according to sin, Right. Uh, so it kind of goes back to the two paths, right? In Deuteronomy, there are two paths, one that leads to life and one that leads to death. So choose life that you may live, you yeah. know, this kind of idea. Um, so, so yeah, so we, in our baptism, uh, you know, we, we receive this potential, I guess, to grow in the spirit. And that is, that is constantly nurtured and watered by our further participation in the sacraments, especially the sacrament of the Eucharist and confession. You know, we talked about this a lot in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but the life of prayer and the life of serving the poor and basically mm-hmm. doing the commandments of God, doing the things that God calls us to do, because in those things we have our joy and in them we have our life. And in them we become more and more, I think, filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. We more and more we get caught up into that that dance. Yeah, you know the the you mentioned that earlier, but the that perichoresis, the circle dance, the uh, that word is used by the fathers to describe how the Trinity exists together, mm-hmm. and and so the more we uh, strive to live according to the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, to to all of these things, the more we part we ourselves participate in that dance. And that's, that's what wait we hear the term theosis when talking about salvation in the Orthodox church. That's, that's what it means, you mm-hmm. know, to be, to be drawn into the divine life. So then we become temples of the Holy spirit. Jesus referred to his body as the temple, destroy this mm-hmm. temple. And in three days I will raise it again. Yeah. We become consecrated vessels of the Holy Spirit. So we become temples. St. Paul says very clearly, you are temples of the Holy Spirit, yeah. both collectively as the church, as the body of Christ. Right. But as individually, as, as members, you know, right? He says, you are the church and individually members thereof. But I think, you know, um, and so, you know, that, that play gets seen even in the consecration of a church. Sure. You know, which we're preparing for. The cathedral is going to be consecrated in October. Yep. Uh, and so this idea that the, the hierarch wears the white Sabanon uh, as the one who has been consecrated with the Holy Spirit and is filled with the Holy Spirit. And so then eventually the altar table gets covered with white. Hmm. Uh, so it's showing this connection between, you know, Christ, the Christian, being a temple of the Holy Spirit, and then eventually, you know, the, the church building itself even becoming dedicated mm-hmm. uh, as a temple of worship, as a house of mm-hmm. worship, as a house of prayer. Um, but the consecrated one, uh, the Lord, and then, and then the, the baptized believer, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So then, then we see like the life, the charismatic life, as we understand it in the Orthodox Church. Yeah. Especially like in holy elders and saints of our church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a, a book uh, that specifically kind of about some of the more recent uh, elders of the Orthodox Church, and it's called Precious Vessels of the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, there's, I think sometimes we can fall into this trap that we think that that monastics or clergy or you know elders you know some kind of person has this completely different calling and well they're the ones who are supposed to be vessels of the holy spirit or they're the ones who are supposed to be filled with the holy spirit but but really this is they they may be shining examples of it but this is what it is to be a christian to mm-hmm. be a vessel of the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what it means to be a Christian, period. Yeah, I, I'm thinking of that verse where it talks about, like, a prophet knows a prophet. Uh-huh. Something like that from the Apostle Paul, right? And and so um, I, I think about that when I think of the elders, right? These are, these are spirit-filled men and women. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, who are given spiritual gifts for the edification and the building up of the people of God. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting, you know, you have Paul's listing of spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, and he talks about it a little bit more in 14, but we see the Spirit can have different manifestations of spiritual gifts. Yeah. So with like the holy elders, we see other things that maybe the Apostle Paul doesn't emphasize, uh, like the gift of clairvoyance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where, you know, you hear about Elder George of Drama, I think in that very book you were mentioning, uh, Precious Vessels. And, mm-hmm. you know, this person was really hesitating to come to confession and then, but, but they came to see the elder and then they're kind of by themselves and the elder kind of reveals to him and he says, look, I know that you came to talk about these things. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And put the person at ease, you know, mm-hmm. so that then they could become free to confess. Well, the only way he knew that was by the Holy Spirit. Of course, you know, and so you see these kind of manifestations and gifts that are given to them, not for personal gain and notoriety mm-hmm. and, and pride and egoism. Uh, you know, some people claim to have gifts, spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the marks of a false prophet from the time of the apostles actually read in the Didache, uh all the way to our time is when they're trying to use such things for personal gain mm-hmm. uh, in some way. Um, but of course the elders of the church were never about that. Um, they didn't like drawing attention to themselves. They often experienced these gifts as, um, very heavy, um, crosses to bear too, mm-hmm. um, in their lives. Um, so it was, it was all for the other. It was just like the cross, you know, how Jesus dies on the cross for the salvation of the world. You know, he dies on the cross for us. So in the same way, these, uh, you know, holy men and women of the church were emptying themselves uh, for the sake of the other uh, in some way. So, mm-hmm. so I'll, I'll just finish with this passage, maybe. Okay. Uh, I was sharing with this with you earlier as I was reading. This is from 2 Corinthians, uh, the third chapter, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Mm, it's beautiful. And, if, and I mean, that's the basis for the, the quote 
that is the title of St. Gregory of Nyssa's writings, right? From glory to glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and also, I, I think, w- was one of the things I loved to hear coming into orthodoxy because often in our kind of westernized vision of the afterlife, it's a very static thing. And, mm. and salvation in general, it's a very static thing. Either you are saved or you are not saved. And if you are, that's it. Like you did the thing, you got baptized, whatever, you know, particular, the, the particular denomination says you, you did that thing. Now you're saved and you're good and you'll live and forever. And that's it. And that's and it. That's, that's it. your point. But in, in the Orthodox understanding, there's continual growth, even in the kingdom of heaven eternal growth because of course god is infinitely greater than us and so we can always become more and more and more like him Mm -hmm. exactly we are he is he is the infinite source that never uh runs out and so we have an unquenchable thirst that is only satisfied by the inexhaustible source of life absolutely good all right yeah yeah so um, we don't really have a topic for next month. Uh, Send us questions, people. Yeah, or we'll just come up with whatever we want to talk about in July oh. because it's summertime. Is, so. is that a promise or a threat? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it's a threat. Uh, hopefully. So uh, where, can, where can people send us questions or comments, Father Bryce? If you have questions or comments, you can send them to us via email at churchcoffeepod at gmail.com. Or even better, you could leave us a voicemail at 317-660-5498. Thank you for listening to the Church Coffee Pod. If you enjoyed what you heard, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Make sure to tell your friends that church coffee isn't so bad after all. Peace. God bless.